You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldweg, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramat Bichemish, Israel, 5783-2023. This week in Chutzlaretz, you'll be reading Parshas Baloscha. In Eretz Yisrael, we'll be reading Parshas Shlach. And a theme that repeats itself both in Baloscha and in Shlach is the theme of the Jewish people complaining, complaining to Hashem, not believing not believing that what they have, or what they're supposed to get, is going to be good enough for them. And usually we read from Midrashim. This this week I'd like to actually just read from the Psukim, from the verses themselves, and see what is the lesson of these Psukim, how does it apply to us, both in regards to the Mis'aynanim, the Jews who complained that they wanted basa or they wanted meat, and also in regards to the Parshish of, uh, Parsh of Shlach, the complaints of the Jewish people about Eretz Yisrael, the claim that they could not go into Eretz Yisrael, that they wouldn't have the ability, that the fear that Hashem would not be with them. Let's start off in Parshas Baalos, chapter 11, verse 1. The people, the nation was like Misainanim, exactly how to translate this. They they were complaining, Rav, Hashem, they did evil in the, in the ears of God. Right? Hashem heard their complaints and it was bad. God hears about this and He gets angry. And the first tells us there was a fire that raged as a result of their complaint on the edge of the Machana. What does it mean exactly? According to one opinion, there was actually, they lost some of their important leaders by the Gedolim. Some of their great leaders died. That's going to be why there's going to be a necessity to replace those leaders. Moshe Rabbeinu says, I have no one to, to lead the Jewish people together with me. But there's a complaint, and it causes a fire. The nation called out to Moshe, Moshe Davins, there's a prayer, the fire subsides. So, that seems to be the end of that story, but it's not, because this is really all one story. Right, so the fire stopped, but there was something more going on. There was still a complaint. They had a complaint that there wasn't any meat, and this had a negative impact on the children of Israel. So, in this story, it's going to be the heir of Rav who has a negative impact and causes the Jews to cry. And in the story in Parshas Shlach as well, it's the 12, interestingly, leaders of the Jewish people, 10 out of 12, who have a negative report about Eretz Yisrael, and, and that leads the Jewish people to cry. So what is this crying about? They're crying that we don't have, we don't have meat, we want meat. We remember the fish that we could eat in Egypt. It was free. There was so much fish. There was there were gourds. There were watermelons. All different kinds of foods. Uh, the the uh, onions and the garlic. So we had delicious spices to spice, spice our food. Now we're dried out. We have nothing. The only thing that we have is the mon. The Pasuk says, 
What was this mon? What was the what was the food that they were complaining about? It was this amazing, miraculous food that Hashem provided. In the end, for forty years in the midbar, for their entire journey through the wilderness. At this point, it could it could have been it should have been for a short amount of time. But they complained. Pasuk says, Pasuk Yud, I'm skipping a few psukim. Vayishma Moshe sa'am b'eichel mishpachay sa'avish lefezach ahloi. Vecharaf Hashem ha'oid v'nei Moshe ro. The nation, Moshe heard them crying. It was very bad. Hashem got angry. So Moshe complains and he says, why Why do I have to carry them by myself? Hashem ends up offering him a point for himself, 70 Seventy new Zikayim, seventy new elders who would help him. His his divine inspiration, the Ruach Hakodesh that Moshe had, extends now onto the seventy Zikayim, and and uh, he has people to help him. Lamaisa Hashem brings the the basar, he brings the meat, comes with the slav, comes with these birds that that arrive on the scene at the at the exact moment Hashem proves that he can do anything, he can even bring them meat. But sadly at the end of the story, many of the Jews die. Whoever had this taiva, it's called the end the end of the places Mikivers had taiva. It's called Kivers had taiva, the place where they buried the people who were misavim, they just wanted meat. It's a very sad story. What is the lesson of this story? It's it's pretty straightforward and obvious, but I'd like to before we get back to this story, I'd like to go to come and speak about Parshas Shlach. And in Parshas Shlach, so we have a different type of complaint, but really a parallel type of complaint. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu to send spies to send twelve individuals, tzaddikim, righteous individuals who would go to Israel, and they would seek out the land. A, a trip that should have taken them 80 days took them only 40 days and they came back with a report they came back with a report and I'd like to read this to you inside they went through the entire land etc after 40 days they returned. This is chapter 13, verse 26 now. Interestingly, these 12 individuals came first to Moshe and Aram, but really to the entire congregation of the people of Israel. They showed them, they, they had something to say, and they said, they brought them the amazing, spectacular fruits of the land of Israel, which were miraculously quite large. They said to him, it's not clear who him is, but they said, We came to the land that you sent us to. It's, it is truly a land flowing with milk and honey. See how luscious its fruits are. Amazing. But they said, however, the nation is strong. The people who live there are very strong. Their cities are fortified. And there are incredible giants who live there. They're very strong. Okay, so it's something that we can't really do. 
So Kaliv says, No, we can go up. We we have the ability. The other ten spies, they said we cannot do it. They're too strong for us. And they said negative things about the land of Israel. The land that we went through to, to check out, it's a land that consumes its inhabitants. All the people who lived there were too tall. They were very tall. Okay, they said it's not possible. Excuse me. So they all... <coughs> Excuse me. They all cried on that day. They all cried on that day. <coughs> now they can blame the Meisha. Hakadosh Baruch Hu got angry. That's it. They're not going to be brought in until this this generation dies. <coughs> the forty days that they spent in the land it will be 40 years for this great sin 40 years the Jews will have to suffer in the wilderness and then only their children will merit to see and enter into the Holy Land and of course this is a terrible tragedy it's, you know, it's happened on Tisha B'Av it happened on the ninth day of Av which for all generations would be a day of sadness <clears throat> until 3,300 some odd years later, we will return. We have returned. <coughs> Still celebrating Tisha but We don't have a base of Mikdash. But the the incredible sadness here, I think, parallels very much the sadness of the first story. And what is the sadness to me? And this I say as a Musser, to myself and to all of us, there's two things here. One is, I'm not happy with what I have. I'm not happy with what I have. Hashem gives me so much and I'm not happy with what I have. So that's one type of, that's one type of complaint. That's one type of failing. I'm not happy with what I have. I want more. I remember one time I was, when I was younger, things were better. Or I see my friend, he has something more than I have. What I have is not good enough for me. That's one type of failing. And it's interesting to notice that Maisha says, I can't, I can't do it. I need help with this. How does it help him exactly? It's not so clear. It's not so clear, right? And in the end, all the people who complain, they die. And here as well, there's a different kind of complaint. And in this complaint, they also end up dying. A, slow, a slower death, a different type of complaint. It's not an immediate death, like the first complaint. So, you have to understand the differences. But in the second complaint, so the complaint is, maybe Hashem is not going to be with me. Maybe Hashem will not protect me. Maybe Hashem will not help me get into Eretz Yisrael. Maybe we won't be able to overcome these people. Maybe the dangers are just too great. Maybe the challenges are just too much for us. And uh, you know, I'm a I'm an inhabitant of the land of Israel, as you as you know. I live here in Eretz Yisrael, and one of the things that we think about a lot here is, I think about a lot. I shouldn't say we. I think about a lot is 
this this story of the of the Maragolim doesn't seem to be an old story. It seems to be a very contemporary story. It seems to be a very contemporary story. And honestly, the first story is also a contemporary story. But I think that they're related. You know, when, when we ask, when somebody, when, when you... When you ask a person, why do you not live in Eretz Yisrael? So there's lots of reasons, very valid reasons, family. But one of the main things that people say is Parnassah. How will I? How will I make it in Eretz Yisrael? How will I make it? It's it's difficult in Eretz Yisrael. That's what people say. Which is we can we can debate whether that's true or not. Whether it's more difficult in Eretz Yisrael than anywhere else. But <coughs> it seems to me. You know, as I read these psukim and as I hear the complaints of Klal Yisrael, I think that uh, these are not old complaints; these are new complaints. These are the same complaints, and I see them as something which is avoidable. Right? Klal Yisrael could have avoided these complaints. Klal Yisrael could have avoided these situations. Klal Yisrael did not have to be in the wilderness for forty years. But I think it's I think it's important to note that here we are, Eretz Yisrael has been given back to us. 75 years we've had a country, which is a Jewish country, run by Jews, has gotten firmer and firmer over the years, more and more religious. It's a place that's become more and more inhabitable, more and more beautiful, more and more possible to make a parnasa. And yet people keep saying the same, the same claim. The Israelis are too tough. The Arabs are all around. We can't... We're not strong enough. Maybe we are. Maybe we have nuclear bombs. Maybe we're strong. But it's the same claim. We can't We can't come in. Maybe our kids won't succeed in the system. Maybe we won't have money. We won't have parnasa. It's too strong for us. And so an entire generation remains in the wilderness... 40 years and maybe their children will merit to come in maybe their children will merit to come in but isn't it sad isn't it sad don't we recognize that this story is our story and when we look back in Parshas Baalaischa at the first story of the Parsha of the Mesainanim do we recognize ourselves in this story as well if I would live in Eretz Yisrael what would it look like might have less might not be able to I mean there are Teslas driving around here in Ramavichemesh, but probably less than in, in New York or in California. <coughs> so what will it look like? I won't have that meat. Might not have that meat. I might have a smaller house. I might not live in a in a massive house. I might live in an apartment. You know, might have to fit a few kids into the same room. Each kid might not have their own room. Might have to live a little tighter. Might not, you know, but it's Elamon Enenu, built Elamon Enenu, right? When a person lives in Eretz Yisrael, when you live here, so the eyes of Hashem are on the land of Israel throughout the entire year. So there's more Hashkacha practice here. But what I'd like to say, and this is really the the essence of what's going on, and, and it's true in the Psukim as well. It's true in the Pesukim as well. That, you know, people say, well, how will I make it there? I have to have a plan. This is true. That's, that's kind of important. But I would also add that, that uh, Eretz Yisrael is, is a holy place. It's a place where there's more Kedusha. 
There's a place where there's more revelation of Hashem. And wherever there's more revelation of Hashem, the fire burns on the edge of the camp. Right? Like we saw in the first story. The fire burns on the edge of the camp. Hashem is revealing Himself. Hashem is giving us the mun. We have to live on a higher level. We have to live on a higher level. The land of Israel is acquired through challenges. What does that mean? Why do I have to acquire Eretz Yisrael through challenges? Why can't I just sit back and relax and let the money flow in? It is a good question. What about Parnas? It is a good question. But it's not a good question. <laughs> because if you're living in Eretz Yisrael, you're, you're in a higher place of Kedusha and you're expected to be on a higher level, yes. We're expected to live in Eretz Yisrael. It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. It's a mitzvah to intuitively look at the situation and see, hey, where are we headed? How far into the Mashiach process are we? How far into it? You know, we've been trained to believe that Mashiach is some golden moment, some miraculous moment that occurs sometime in the future. But what if it's not? And I've been saying this, what if they build a Beis Amigdash here, and, and will that bring everybody home? If let's say there's a Beis Amigdash, you know, they didn't all come back from Bavel. This is a very famous Taina. They didn't all come back from Babylonia. Even though there was a base of English built. So I wonder, are we not at a stage where people should have already realized that it's time to come back to Eretz Yisrael? Are we not at a stage where the Shekhinah is revealing itself more and more each day? Now what happens when the Shekhinah reveals itself more and more each day? It's a little harder. It is a little harder. Or maybe a lot harder. You know, it's not easy to eat the same food all the time, the same taste. The same man, only tzaddikim could taste any taste they wanted in the month. Only the righteous. So it's not easy to eat the same food every single day. I happen to eat the same food every day. Eggs, bread, salad for breakfast. That's my, that's my breakfast. I eat it every single day. It's possible. Maybe it's because I live in Earth's Israel. I don't know. It's possible. Maybe it's a little harder. Maybe it's a little hard to live in the space where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is protecting us with His clouds of His divine glory. Maybe it's a little bit harder to, to see how it's possible to get in here. And that's ex- indeed, you know, wh- why, why did the spies come back with this negative report? Because it was true. It was a true report. But what was untrue about the report was, was the fact that they said, we can't. It's too hard for us. We can't get into it. Parnas is too hard for us. That's a lie. It's a bold-faced lie. It's not too hard. Our family, this, that, it's not too hard. It's a lie. As Khalif said, We can go up. We can inherit it. It's possible. And the answer of Khalif has to do with Yoshua as well. Moshe Rabbeinu adds the letter Yud to his name. Khalif Himself goes and he davens, he prays at Kevaravos at the at the cave of the patriarchs. There's a recognition that in order to be to be Yachol Nuchala, it's only with the letter Yud, it's only with Hashem, it's only with the prayer of Kaliv at the at the Kevaravos at the cave of the patriarchs. The key to success in Eretz Yisrael is a deep sense of connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, to God. It's a deep sense of mission, idealism, recognition that this is the place we belong. Eretz Yisrael is the place where we belong. The man is the food that we should be eating. 
I remember the I remember the fish and the watermelons in, in Mitzrayim, even though I was a slave. But I had good food. Being being in a relationship with a Kodesh Baruch Hu looks different than what it means to be a slave to Mitzrayim. And Mitzrayim today is is the Western culture and the wealth and the big houses and and all the things, all the entrapments that we find ourselves in Chutzlar, it's outside of the land of Israel. And so I, I think it's important. I'm reading Parsha Shlach here in Eretz Yisrael. We are reading Parsha Shlach in Chutzlar. It's Baaloschus being read. But I think that it's good to hear what's coming up. Because the, the root of the Misainanim, of the complaint about the Mon, is the same as the belief, the false belief, that it's too hard in Eretz Yisrael. It's too hard to get in there. And both of these have different results we can we lose our leaders new leaders come in doesn't help us they still end up dying the people still end up dying from their taiva we send leaders inside of Israel to check things out but they don't come back with the right report but it's really us that's what the psukim say whether it's we're being impacted by by the air of rav by the by the forces of the culture around us or whether it's a negative impact from leaders who are just wrong about their assessment of whether we can come up to Eretz Yisrael or whether it makes sense to make aliyah we're listening to the wrong people if we're listening to those people who say don't come and we're the ones who are responsible we're the ones who have to pay the price. We're the ones who end up in the wilderness for an extra 40 years. And only our children end up coming to Eretz Yisrael. And that's a sad thing that we're still paying the price for. On Tisha B'Av, on Tisha B'Av we should be crying that we're still in Chutzlaharetz. We're giving, I'm sorry to say, lip service to the fact that we want a Beis HaMikdash. Do we really, would we really come if there was a Beis HaMikdash? Oh yeah, we would. Shiach, miracles. What if, what if, what if we're on our way and it gets built in a natural way? What happens if a base of English is built? It doesn't seem to be Mashiach, even though the Ramam says if a base of English is built, you can be assured that that's been done by Mashiach. But what if it doesn't look exactly the way we think it should look? Don't you wonder, like in the times of Ezra and Nehemiah when they built the base of English, what what did they think? What did the people think? Why didn't they come to Eretz Yisrael? I'll be willing to bet that they had the same excuses that we do. It's too hard there. It's too hard. We have our family here in Bavel, in Babylonia. But the root of it is, We saw ourselves as locusts. We just saw ourselves as small. And we thought that that's how we look to them as well. We see ourselves as unable to have the bitachim. We see ourselves as unable to be satisfied with what we have, with the with the mon. And I will say that we are able. I will, I will say what Kalib said and Yoshua said. So we can go up. We can have bitachim. We can have parnasa. We can't succeed with our children in Eretz Yisrael. We can't suffice ourselves 
with the mon. We don't have to have so many cars and such big houses and such big lawns. We don't have to. Kinachol nuchala. We can live a different way. We don't have to have so much meat. It's not to say that you can't have meat in Israel. You can. But it doesn't have to be such a high standard that we fooled ourselves to believe. But it's really just the Egyptian culture around us that has us enslaved. And we don't even realize that we're slaves. So I want to bless you and I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us. That we should be able to see our own mistakes. We should be able to identify ourselves in these stories Hashem should help us to be able to identify the mistakes that we are making and correct those mistakes now so that we don't end up like the generation of the wilderness, but rather we end up like the generation that enters Eretz Yisrael. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.